Amen. I appreciate the opportunity to preach. Brother Adam's going to be mad because Pastor said, if, if you want to, you can let Adam preach. I said, no. <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I'm like uh, Brother Adam said, and they talking about a preacher being sick. Sorry, that's the reason it is. I remember the first time when I had never preached on Sunday morning, Brother Adam. And I just asked that simple prayer to be able to preach on Sunday morning. Within a month, the pastor had a heart attack. Not this pastor, but that was a long time ago. Uh, had a heart attack, and a true story. So uh, I learned to try to pray to be more to be more specific when you pray. To be more Pacific, not, not Atlantic, but Pacific. Well, you want to preach tonight? Only one you. And for some of us, that's a good thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've seen a lot of nodding heads. I don't know who. I don't know what was going on in the head, but the heads are going, I guess, right here. Uh, but only one you. You know, the, the fewer there are of something, the more valuable it is, right? I mean, uh, in most cases, in some cases, there's just a, there's no value to something. Uh, when there's only one of something, it's at its highest value. And you especially think about, you know, things that people collect and so forth. Uh, when it gets down to very few, they get uh, more and more valuable when there used to be more of them. Uh, when something's truly one of a kind, it seems almost no matter what it is, people will pay an astronomical price for it. You'd be surprised what people collect and pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for. It's, it's really is amazing. It amazes me that how many millions of dollars they pay for some things. Uh, just so they can say they have it. But I guess they got the money, it's their money, they can do that. Uh, but tonight I want to talk about the three most valuable things in the world that there are only one of. Now, I believe you could probably say it's the three most valuable things, period, but definitely it's three of the most valuable, the three most valuable things there's only one of. And not necessarily in an order of importance, uh, uh, didn't lay my outline out that way. Uh, so are you ready to hear those three most valuable things in the world? And I think the first two, I don't think I'll have any trouble getting, getting you to agree with me on. Uh, number one is eternal life. Right. Nothing is more valuable than eternal life. Now this is something that you cannot buy. Uh, so it's not a collector's item. You can't go out and buy your eternal life. Uh, but certainly it is one of the three most valuable things in the world. And it's a gift. It must be given to you. You cannot buy it. You can't earn it. You can't hunt for it and find it. Uh, it must be given to you. And we talk about gifts and we compare it to a gift and try to explain what it is by... But, you know, it's not a Christmas gift. It's not a birthday gift. Matter of fact, it's not technically a gift. But we don't call it a gift of eternal life, do we? We call it the gift right. of eternal life because there's only one. Yes, Absolutely, positively, only one eternal life. Only one way to get it. Uh, it only comes from one source. It is singular. The gift of eternal life. There's absolutely only one. And then number two is 
the giver of eternal life. It's one of the most valuable things in uh, the world. There's only one that can give eternal life. Now, a lot of people look to a lot of different places for eternal life, but you're only going to get it from one place. And that is Jesus Christ that died on the cross to pay for our sins. That's the way, that's the reason heaven is an arrow way. Because to get to heaven, you have to go by Calvary. And once you make the trip to Calvary, it's straight to heaven. Now, you might personally stop, not grow in the Lord. But you're always going to, you're never not going to heaven after you go by Calvary and receive Jesus Christ. Once you're on the way to heaven, there's no detours. You're going to heaven. Only you can receive eternal life for you. I remember years ago, I guess it's many years ago, probably 20 years ago now, close to it. Uh, there was a guy that worked where I did, and uh, he had left the car, had car had broke down in the parking lot, been giving him trouble, and just wouldn't crank. And he worked there another year or two, and just the car just sit there. And he quit work. He left there. He'd sit there another year. And uh, Boston said, tell him to come get that car. Can you get a hold? I said, I'll get a hold of him. I'll get a hold of him. And uh, so I called him. He's going to come and get it. He's going to come and get it. Finally, the boss man told me, he said, get rid of the car. So to do that, you have to get a, a, a lien on the title and get the title so you can get rid of it uh, legally. Uh, so I did that. And there happened to be somebody there uh, that had, had to have a, that worked there, got very sick, had to have a kidney transplant. He needed a vehicle. He wasn't working there then, but he needed a vehicle. And so... I got that title, you know, got the title to it, and I gave, I had it, the notary that we had, a notary that worked there, notarized it, and it was his car. But I could not take that title down DMV and get the title put in his name. He had to do it himself. I can pray for you to get saved, but I cannot get down on this altar and get saved for you. I can tell you how to get to heaven. The gift of, the gift of life is in the in this word of God right here, but I cannot take it and give it to you. You must receive it yourself. You must go to God and ask forgiveness yourself. So uh, the, second, one of the, the second most valuable thing, not but one, top three, number two, is the giver of eternal life. And that brings us to number three on the list, and this one might surprise you. Now, remember, the value of something is based on how much someone is willing to pay for, right? What you and I base, say, well, hey, we're nothing. Somebody might pay a million dollars for it. Seriously, I mean, there's things that people would pay that, that I just, I don't even want around. If I had to keep it, I wouldn't even want it. So the value is based on how much someone will pay for something. So number three, on three of the most valuable things in the world is you. How about that? No eternal life. The one that gives eternal life. And you, you say, well, well, how could you say that? Because how much was paid for you? That's 
So I didn't place the value on you, but somebody paid a price for you. So that gives you your value. You along with me on this earth are not worth too much. Millionaires might have money, billionaires might have money, but there's, they're only worth a limited amount. That's right. And uh, when, in 120 years from now, they won't be worth anything either. But you will always be worth a lot because a lot was paid for you. You are a child of God because he has purchased you. If you're, if you're here and you're saved, God has purchased yes, you. Amen. He has purchased me. Everybody that's saved, God has purchased with the life of his son. Jesus died on the cross for you. That's, we sing the Christmas songs, and uh, most of them will be about Jesus in the manger, and that's good. And, and that is the reason that there was a manger. That's the reason that there was a Bethlehem. That's the reason there was a Jerusalem. That's the reason there was shepherds in the field and wise men came. That's the reason for the birth. But the birth was so that he could die on the cross. And he did die on the cross. He did shed his blood for our sins. And if we've accepted that as payment for our sins, then he has purchased us with his blood. 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So he paid a great price for us, and we owe more than we'll ever pay back, but we owe him our praise, and we owe him our works, and we owe him our service to him. First Corinthians six nineteen and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Now, if... Johnny come to me and, and bought my Toyota. You, you ain't buying my Maverick, Johnny. Yeah. If you come and bought that Toyota from me or come, bought that Ford car from me and uh, we got the title signed over, you went down to DMV, you got all signed over, you got the tags and everything, paid the taxes on it. You're going to pay the taxes before you get that car. You know that. So uh, you got to do that. And you go down there and about a month later, I come to you, Johnny, want my car? Ain't my car, is it? You purchased it from me, right? We are not our own after we have been purchased by the blood of Christ. And too much of the time we act like, and I say we, we act like we are still our own, but we are not. We plan our lives like we're our own. We plan our days. We plan our vacations. We plan all the time that we spend. Too much of the time we spend just like we are still our own. Verse 20 says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. It didn't say, therefore glorify God sometimes, part of the time, some days, some months, some weeks. 
Just glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body and your spirit are God's. He didn't buy part of you. He, he, did, he didn't buy one hand and leave the other hand. He, he bought body, spirit. He bought the whole thing. How much of you is going to go to heaven? Right? Your body, you're going to have a glorified body in heaven. He, he paid for that. He paid for your spirit. He paid for all of it. We want to keep too much of it back. We want to hold on to too much of ourselves. Says we're bought with a price. Glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Yes, now I know some people don't like to say this term that I'm uh, about to say, but it, it, it's true. Uh, you are special. Now, and the wor- eyes of the world and the eyes of other some people, well, eyes of most people probably, you are not special. But there is one in whose eyes that you are special. You are special in the eyes of God because his son shed his blood for you. So you are special. Now then, I cannot explain how in the world, or 10 million worlds, one of us or all of us or any of us could be special enough for God for him to allow his son to die for us, but he did. He allowed his only begotten son to die for us. Now then, I ask you, what would you give for your child? Now we have a a terrible time, but a good example of that, just taking place recently, Hamas kidnapped a lot of children. I mean, they didn't just kidnap, they didn't just take prisoners of war, they kidnapped women and children. Now, if one of your, if one of those had been one of your children, what would you have paid to get one of them back? You'd have paid, you'd have done whatever necessary to get that child back. And what would you take for that child? Nothing. Nothing at all. You wouldn't, you wouldn't sell it for billions of all the money in the world. You wouldn't sell that child. But God gave his, his son's life for you. See, sometimes we forget just what God did for us, just what Jesus did for us on the cross. If we keep what he did in mind, it'll make it easier for us to serve him. Again, you are not your own. You have lifetime rights to your body. As they do commercials on it now, how that you sell your home and you live in it and they give you payments and you've got lifetime rights to live there. And I'm sure there's some rights that you better read <laughs> before you do something like that. Uh, but you've got, you, you, you live there, but it's not your house anymore. I'm here, but I'm not mine anymore. I'm not mine since Jesus paid for me. Again, you're special. You're special because of your purchase price. You're special because of who owns you. Elon Musk didn't buy you. 
Now, he could probably just about do it, but he didn't. But God bought you. Yes, sir, right. God is your owner. God is your master. Oh, and that makes you special because you are a child of God. Again, it's not, we're not special in ourselves. There's nothing in us until we were saved by the grace of God, and it's because God owns our body and spirit that makes us special. Right. You're special for why you were purchased. You were purchased for what God put you on this earth for, and that was to glorify Him. Yes. And that's what we're to do. We're to glorify God. With our body and spirit. You've been redeemed. Amen. When you study the word redeemed in the Bible, and some, I know some of you studied it and you know this already, but there's three different meanings of the word redeemed. First of all, you were bought in the market of this world. God came into this world and bought you out of it. From the owner, your owner, Satan. So you were bought. He came into the market. He came in and bought you. You had no way to get free from the bondage that you were in, but he came in and bought you. And then you were brought out of the market. You were redeemed out of the market, never to be sold again. You know how you go yard selling and you see, oh, I, I think I'll get that and I'll get that and I'll get that. And then next year you have a yard sale and you sell that and you sell this and you sell. That's not what we are. We're not little whatnots to put up on a stand somewhere. We are redeemed. We are brought out of the market never to be sold. And we are not bought to set up. We're not bought so that God can just put us up on a shelf somewhere. Jesus Christ is the one that's lifted up on high. We are to look for him and to serve him. And then you're redeemed as in you were set free. Free of bondage. Free from hell. Free from Satan's grasp. Free to serve the Lord. Free to love the Lord. Free to live the way that God intended you to live. Number one, you're special. Number two, you need to determine to know Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Again, verse 2, he said, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said, I didn't preach to you with enticing words. Now, most of the disciples, they didn't have a lot of learning. But Paul did. Paul could have preached with enticing words. He could have preached with words so big that nobody even understood what he was talking about. 
because he had the training and the learning of, of all of Israel. But he, he preached unto them Jesus Christ and him yes, crucified. You need to be separated to God. You know, a lot of times we, well, I'm going to give up this vice and we pick up another vice. Right. I'm going to stop doing this and we start doing something else. Right. Well, I don't do that. But I do this. Right. right? We try to quit this and instead of taking the time and taking the money and taking the effort that we put into that, and put it into God's work, we just put it into something else. That's good. And it don't have to be anything bad. You're right. It can just be time spent that's not spent for God when God wants us to spend time for Him right. and with Him. But here's one of the major problems people have with separating to God. They don't separate by God. Right. They separate by man. Well, this, this, this preacher said don't do this, and that preacher said don't do that, and this preacher said don't do this, and I'm not going to do any of it. Well, that's probably good. They're probably right. But if you're doing it because the preacher said so, Come on. That's good. you see, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and told you you was lost. Right. And you realized that, and you asked Christ to forgive you of your sins. When you separate yourself to God, it needs to be because the Holy Spirit has spoke to your heart good. and said you need to stop doing this and you need to do this. You need to do this and stop doing that. Right. Whatever it is, the separation needs to be because needs to come from God, not from man. Now, hearing a preacher say that it's wrong to do this and you don't do it, that's okay. But it's still, you need to have confirmation from the Holy Spirit. You can't do it just because a man says that. Some Christians are not very separated at all. And we know that. If all the members, if everybody that's been a member of Currytown Baptist Church since I've been here was lived a separated godly life, we wouldn't all be in here. I can tell you that. Not even on Wednesday night. And so we all, this is Wednesday night crowds, and we all know that. This is the point I want to get to us, to the Wednesday night crowd. All of us could be more separated. When we get to the point to think, well, I've arrived, I'm completely separated to God, by God, I'm doing everything I need to do, I never need to change anything else, I'm getting, I'm just, I'm just, and we're not, we, we don't think this out loud in our head. I'm just about perfect, so I don't need to change nothing else. <laughs> we always could be closer. So we need, what we need to do is ask ourselves sometimes, am I closer now? Good time of year to do that. Of course, any day is a good time to do it, but am I closer now than I was a year ago? See, when you look back a year, you should be able to tell something. That's good. Right. And then you need to be separated. You need to obey God's commands. 
there, there's, there's a lot of things that we do, and there's some we don't pay much attention to. But God, there's a lot of commands, not just ten. Right. Not just ten. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you several here, and I don't know if any of them's in the ten. <laughs> Jeff, you can't count these in the scriptures because I'm not giving a whole verse, okay? Come out from among them and be ye separate. We're already talking about being separate. But it's, you, you've got, there's certain people you just don't need to be around. There's certain people that will drag you down. They may be saved. But you don't need to be around them. If they're not living right, if they're not doing right. <laughs> touch not the unclean thing. We think because we're doing pretty good. I can. I don't have to let everything go. I can still hold on to this. When you start thinking like that, the problem is you don't have a hold of it. It has a hold of you. That's that's the reason we got loose from Satan because he had a hold of us. And before we were saved, we we just did whatever Satan wanted us to. And when. <clears throat> We choose not to let go of something. We're doing whatever that thing is wants us to do. We're following Satan. Abhor that which is evil. That means to dislike it so much that it makes you sick. So if you've got something... Some unclean things that you're holding on to and you can't let go of it, pray to God to make you sick over it. When you know it's wrong, it ought to make you sick to do it. And don't always do that. It don't always happen that way. But that's the way we ought to pray. Lord, I'm not going to tell everybody what I do, Lord, but Lord, you know me. And you know, this is what I have a problem with. Lord, just let it make me sick next time. That's not easy prayer. That's not easy prayer to do. (laughs) So abhor that which is evil, but cleave to that which is good. Means to stick like glue. To stick. If it's good and you know it, you know it by the word of God. You know it by the Holy Spirit that it's good. And you know you're supposed to do it. Stick to it and just keep doing it. Amen. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. That's right. Amen. The Holy Spirit wants to have fellowship with us, wants to talk with us. And the Holy Spirit is leading us to do something and we don't do it. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. Right. Not a hard thing to do. So we need to be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit so that we know when we're grieving the Holy Spirit. Pray without ceasing. Talked about this in Sunday school. Pray without ceasing. We said that if you, anytime that you can think, you can pray. You don't have to have your eyes closed. You don't need to be, you don't have to be kneeling at an altar, but you can be in a state of prayer all the time. Abstain from all appearance of evil. That's right. Amen. 
My wife likes to say it this way. Well, you don't know if something's wrong or not. If you have to ask, don't do it. Don't, you know, but what we'd rather do is, well, God hadn't told me it's wrong. Well, has he told you it's right? Instead of going by doing it until God tells you it's wrong, how about waiting until God tells you it's right before you do it? <laughs> Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Of course, I know this is the Wednesday night crowd. And then lay aside every weight. We're not just talking about the evil stuff now. We're not just talking about the unclean stuff. Every weight. What is it that keeps you from doing what God wants you to do? That's a weight. And that's something that you have to be in prayer to God. And maybe you have to ask God, Lord, show me what's, what's keeping me from doing what I need to do. Maybe you know there's, there's things you need to do and you're not doing them. You don't even know why you're not doing them. Ask the Lord to reveal it to you. It says, steadfast, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. <laughs> now, steadfast and unmovable don't mean exactly the same thing. <laughs> steadfast means don't move. Unmovable means don't let anybody move you. You see, we can be steadfast and start listening to the wrong person and get moved. When we know that God has showed us something out of the word of God, we've heard it preached, the Holy Spirit has uh, touched our hearts with it, we've heard it in the Sunday school, we've studied it, we've read it, and we know absolutely that it's right, be steadfast and unmovable. And then, always abounding. In other words, always moving closer to the Lord. Then in the work of the Lord, having done all to stand. When you know you're right with God, when you know you're right, just, just stand. Everybody else might be against you. Right. If you know you're right, just stand. Love one another. Love one another, love one another, love one another. Love. The Bible says it over and over and over again. Right. And then you just need to keep on keeping on when you get right with God and you're doing you, you, God has got you in a direction got you moving in the right direction and, and living for him and working for him and you know that you're doing what he wants you to do just keep on just keep on keeping on a missionary friend of ours uh, was missionary to Cherokee Indians and uh his son was, I think, 18 years old, uh, either engaged or getting ready to get engaged. Maybe he was 19 or 20, I don't know. But he was up there in Cherokee area, and his car ran over off of embankment, almost like a cliff. And it didn't kill him, but really very severely injured him. A uh, long time, they didn't know if he was going to live or not. Then he, he couldn't talk plain, can't walk right. And had to be in a wheelchair most of the time and, and get around just a little bit. Uh, but 
I can't remember how many years that he had been there. And he said every so often, about every five years, the Cherokee people would trust him a little more. They'd trust him a little more. But they just wouldn't let go. But when they stayed, after his son got hurt, they was all in then. They was ready to trust him. So he could have quit. And the, the biggest part, the best part of his work would have not been done. Many examples in the Bible, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joseph, Daniel, all overcome very difficult obstacles in their life. They just kept on keeping on. And then number three, you'll be based on your opportunity. Matthew 21, 28 through 31. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether them twain did the will of his father, they say unto him, The first, Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Of course, he's speaking to the Pharisees there. But it does need, just need to be a show. We need to actually do what we say we're going to do and say what we portray that we're doing. It's a shame so many say they will go, but will not. To be honest with you, it's almost like the man standing at the intersection holding a sign, we'll work for food. And I know some of them are honest, and they probably would. But I honestly feel like, and know some, they wouldn't. But isn't that a shame to be like that with God? I'll go work, Lord, but you never go. Every time you leave here, you're saying, I'm going to work in God's vineyard. You don't work in here. You work out there. Are we going to work in God's vineyard? Or are we just looking like we're going to work in God's vineyard? How many will go to hell while you wait? We've got to get serious about living for God. You are the most valuable thing in the world to God. And so we got this way now. There's God, His Son, and you. And God put the same value on His Son as He did for you because He gave His Son for you. What value do we put on our Christian life? What value do we put on our Christian walk? Let's stand to our feet. Miss Susan comes and plays a hymn for us. I know part of it was pretty somber tonight, but... Lord spoke to your heart and you need to come.
to do that. Maybe you're here tonight. Never receive Christ as Savior. If you come forward, let me know. I'll get someone to pray with you, show you in the Word of God how to be saved. We are going to pray around the 